0: Welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for October 16th, 2008. I'd like to welcome back my regular panel, David McKee from the Las Vegas Advisor. Hey, David. Hello. Chuck Monster from VegasTripping.com. Hey, Chuck.
1: Hello there.
0: Hello. Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Good afternoon, Dave. Hi. And Jeff Simpson from the Las Vegas Sun and In Business Las Vegas. Welcome, Jeff.
2: Greetings and salutations.
0: Uh, I am Hunter, and I am at uh, RateVegas.com, and we're just going to jump right into it today. Uh, I think we're going to start off with a story um, that involves uh, one of our one of our uh, gang members here. Um, the Plaza has been a fixture in downtown Las Vegas for years. Um, more recently, Elad, uh, a newcomer to Las Vegas purchased uh, the new frontier property and demolished the uh, the buildings with plans to build a version of New York City's famous Plaza Hotel on the same on that site. This would mean two plazas in Las Vegas and uh, Tamara's the company that owns the existing downtown property filed a lawsuit to prevent Elad from using the name. Um, Ultimately, I believe the court decided that Tamaris didn't have sole rights to the name in Las Vegas, and uh, Elad will be allowed to proceed whenever they end up uh, putting a shovel in the ground. But uh, Dave Schwartz uh, testified in the trial, I believe, as an expert witness. Um, Dave, can you give us a little bit of info, first on the experience, and then second, how you felt about the outcome of the case?
3: Sure. um, It was (laughs) – since my side won, it was a lot of fun. If we hadn't won, it would have been totally awful because it's really grueling. You know, you don't know what it's like until you've got a lawyer kind of pointed right at you, questioning your academic integrity and your um, just general ability to do anything and to do any kind of research. So that's pretty funny. Um, but it all it turned out okay. So I guess that was kind of good. I think for me, the high point of the of the... Of the trial and I might have mentioned this to somebody, who was appoint my testimony, and Hunter, you'll have to play the part of the attorney who was working with me. Just ask me if I reviewed any visual records of the plaza name.
0: Dr. Schwartz, did you review any visual records of the plaza name?
3: Yeah, and this is exactly what I said. Okay. I kind of look De- at the jury. I look at the jury, I go Okay, I'm sitting at home minding my own business when all of a sudden I see that Honey, I Blew Up, The Kid Is On. So I flip over, and it's the ending scene, and they're driving the ice cream truck down Fremont Street, and they're lighting up all the signs, and they say Union Plaza on. And I said, that's the proof right there that as of 1993 when that movie was made, it was still known as Union Plaza. And that was kind of funny. I don't know. Nobody really laughed though, but I – it's just so strange just having to testify about stuff like that. Now, the case itself was interesting. It was, it was a lot more subtle than people think. The New York Plaza people have been using that plaza mark since 1906, and they filed for a federal trademark in 1986. So all the New York Plaza people had to do was to prove that until 1986 – the Las Vegas Union Plaza slash Plaza people had not used Plaza continuously or as their predominant mark or brand, which in my re- my extensive research of going back and looking at all kinds of stuff, I found that they didn't. They used Union Plaza, and occasionally people would call it a Plaza, but it was almost entirely Union Plaza, and I just had ad after ad in the name of Union Plaza, so... You know that was that was pretty much my part of the case right there. Um, there was an additional part that had to do with damages and that sort of thing, but I wasn't even close to being involved in that. So that that was my part of it.
0: It's interesting. I mean, personally, I can't imagine a tourist being confused between the two, assuming that the uh, you know strip plaza ends up being built. Uh, I mean, they're just going to be so different from each other in terms of the amenities, the cost, the everything. I have a hard time imagining that someone could actually get confused between the two.
3: Yeah, you know, it's hard to say, although you never know with people who come to Vegas maybe once every five years and it's not they're not up in this stuff so much. You know, you could see how they might say, Oh yeah, the plaza, well, which one? Well, I don't know. You know, I also talking the good to people one. <laughs> Yeah. Um talking to people outside of Vegas, a lot of people think that city center is in downtown Las Vegas. People who don't aren't familiar with it, and I know that's probably anathema to everybody at MGM Mirage, but people say, well, aren't they doing that big development downtown? Wow. And I'll say, what do you mean? Well, the one with the, you know, Dubai, like you mean city center? Yeah. Oh, that's on the strip. It's not downtown. Wow. (laughs) That, you know, if anything, that, that's you know that shows that kind of confusion as possible, but you know I I've seen the renderings. Part one of the cool parts about the case is getting to see a lot of this stuff, and the renderings look pretty neat. So I think they're actually pretty eager to go ahead as soon as they can do whatever they have to do. Right. Uh, but definitely they've moved they've moved along with it at least in, in the design phase.
2: Well, and you can say that they've at least put some money where their mouths are. You know 1.3 billion dollars is no chump change unfortunately what you know their design calls for another five six billion and typically people don't build by paying cash Um, and you know they borrow to build and you put as much down as they need to to get money that's not too expensive Um, but this is just such a tough time I mean it, it you got to anticipate that at least there's a fairly lengthy delay, um, and they, you know, like everybody else from Boyd, when they say three to four quarters delay, I think that you know they're probably being a little optimistic when they say when they expect to start building. But I think that one point three billion dollar, you know, cash or the you know in cash that they've already spent, that that's sort of a pretty good signal of their uh, of their intent. Yeah,
0: I think, yeah, I think so. Good. I mean, I I would agree. I think you know I, they're going to do something. Obviously, it's just too it's just too expensive for it to just sit there. And it you know it's not. <clears throat> I don't think personally. I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, you know, to wait for a better business climate that may be prudent. I mean, no one wants to uh, borrow money they can't afford to pay back. We'll talk about else, another company that might be in trouble <laughs> in that situation a little bit later. Um, but Dave, thanks for sharing that. I thought. You know, to be perfectly honest, I didn't follow the case too closely on a day-to-day basis, um, but it was interesting to hear you uh, to wrap it up. And I I have heard talked to others that have um, done expert witness work, and they and they basically said the same thing that you did, that it's pretty intense when the other lawyer is trying to discredit you basically as qualified to be a human being.
3: Yeah. You know, and it's kind of – part of it's my fault too because I tend to be more laid back and like, yeah, if that's what you want to think, go ahead. You know, I don't – I'm not going to argue with you. But I guess in front of the jury, you can't be complacent like that. So I had to really stick to my guns and say, no, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so uh, I guess the jury listened to one of us.
4: Yep. So how did – what what did your research entail?
3: My research entailed going through um, publication after publication back in the pre-digital days. So we're talking about using – going into microfilms and just kind of flipping through bit by bit, looking for articles about the Union Plaza. And then, of course, using also the newspaper indexes, but also flipping through looking for ads. Um, looking for the show listings, um, that was most of it. And then there was also looking at some photographs and some of the TV and movie things and probably a couple other things that I'm forgetting now. But it was there was a lot of it, and I just spent way too much time in front of micro microfilm machines. <laughs> Exciting.
0: Well, uh, <clears throat> we'll see what happens with that site. Of course, um, we'll be discussing it as things progress. I think for now, move on, we're going to talk a little bit about Wynn Resorts. And um, we talk about this company a lot on this show, and I do on my blog, but you know, I think there's a reason for that. They're definitely uh, very, very, very important in global gaming and even more important in Las Vegas gaming. In the past two weeks, we've seen a few bits of interesting news out of Wind Resorts. First off, the company released preliminary financials for the third quarter, in what seemed like an attempt to calm investors about their position, uh, I think as expected, Wynn Las Vegas is down compared to last year, but uh, Wynn Macau continues to rake in the cash, which, which makes it look like the company will post a profit yet again, despite the crummy economy. Um, first off, uh, given these numbers and what they have in the pipeline, I mean, how do you and the current state of the economy? How do you guys feel about Wynn Resorts' current condition? And I guess Jeff, I'll start with you.
2: I think you know and i i talked to uh um Wynn at the start of last week um for you know maybe i don't know twenty thirty minutes um by phone, and uh, you know we we went over encore uh, operations here and um in Macau, and I think that's pretty um i guess a few days after that they released their maybe a week later they released their preliminary third quarter numbers um you know, times have, have uh um, bad you know, tough times have hurt them, um, probably not as hard as they've hurt their peers in the industry. Um, but they're certainly uh being hurt by the the rough economy. Um, luckily uh you know, starting with Macau, um, they are not part they really don't benefit much from the mass market. Um He is not as vulnerable to the visa restrictions um, as his competitors, particularly uh, Las Vegas Sands, which has such an overwhelming um, capacity advantage. when you know, if you look, the size of his property, he's still in that 19-20% market share, and it's because of VIP play. And so he's really in an enviable position there, um, with a relatively small but um, exceptionally upscale property, and uh, his still, you know, I guess um, a year more before um, Encore at Wynn Macau comes online. So. He's in a very good position there, and I think uh it's his competitors who are probably sweating a lot um and uh here here in las vegas um there's certainly been you know slides in you know performance both in terms of the time people are spending at the tables um the amount you know of coin in its slots all those all those metrics are down but not down um by enough to you know, cause them, you know, a lot of anxiety. Um, Wynn has said publicly many times that, you know, he's he's his job is to run the property during good and bad times and to run the property so that the company will thrive um, in both good and bad times. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. He certainly, you know, when you listen to the conference calls and, um and You know, over the last couple years, he has always given Sheldon Adelson a lot of credit. He calls him a swashbuckler because he really, Adelson really has sort of kept, you know, put a lot of that company's at risk by, by you know, trying to leverage, you know, the capacity in in uh, Macau and expanding rapidly around the globe, Um, and. You know that kind of that kind of bet pays off during good times, and uh, you know the first you know five six years of Sands operations worked out pretty well, um, but you know they are now more at risk, and so that's sort of the benefit of being more conservative. Um, so, you know that's that's really what I got about about the strength of that company. I think that. You know that when you when you really when you look at their operations, they own the prized top slice of the market, and unless somebody can come in there and take it from them, um, and you know the likeliest candidates would be, you know somebody who who figures out how to convince the Chinese that they have a better place. Um, cuz that's really Wynn's advantage in Macau is that he has that market uh they believe that Wynn Macau is the premier destination in Las Vegas um you know whether Aria could do it you know you have to wonder i mean at least from my perspective if you're MGM Mirage and you have a bunch of good customers do you want them to come in and play at Bellagio where you own the whole property or do you want them to play at Aria where your where your ownership is split with Dubai to me, that's a question. I don't know how that's going to play out, but um, it's sort of a new wrinkle in the um, cannibalization question we always ask when multiple property-owning companies open new places. So um, I think that um, that's going to be a question, but I think Win ha- has a pretty great record of defending the very top p- level of play. It's very um, profitable, um, kind of uh, business to to own and i 'm not convinced that anybody can come in and peel off a um, an appreciable slice of that business now now for win when win opens encore he what he has to do is not just it's not avoid peeling off win business. He has to grow that top slice, um, whether that involves stealing people who now play at Bellagio or at MGM Grand, um, or whether that just means growing the market of high-end people who come to Las Vegas, um, which is what I think he hopes he'll do, um, it, it remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it's hard to bet against them.
0: Yeah, it seems pretty solid. Would any of you guys disagree with that? I mean, that pretty much sums up, I think, where I I would uh, place them at this point. Well,
4: Chuck would probably know more about this than than I did, but
0: uh, I do. But
4: I I recall reading something that uh, Wynn had also peeled off a big chunk of VIP play from uh, Crown Macau, which was –
1: You continue, you continue.
4: No, no, I didn't have much to add.
1: Yeah, there's there's uh, been some discussion. I don't really have any specific answers about the uh, VIP play happening, uh, going on in, in Macau. Uh, that Crown has lost its uh, top slot due to... uh a reader just, just posted this comment, not but an hour ago, uh, that their deal with Emacs, a- 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 they've, uh, like lowered the commission rates, and then some of the other properties have hired their commission rates, so they're losing junketeers and kind of the whole uh, economic situation uh, in terms of the, the, the VIP operations and the, the sharks in the water there are just moving around quite a bit. So we're seeing a lot of movement in terms of the uh, uh, the uh, market share in VIP in Macau. But Wynn seems to be holding everything pretty steady. You know, their numbers are real strong. Their uh, Their standings are always... You know, up in the top. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I would there, say.
1: Go ahead. I'd say that's a testimony to the product, you know, for sure, because you know there is no real comparison to, to win. Crown is gorgeous, true, but when you know it's, it's got that zip. It's got that full, full uh, resort experience.
0: And if you look at the numbers, I mean, it, you know, it's clear that this quarter and and last quarter, you know, Macau really um, it was such a huge part of them. Not. You know, showing a loss, which uh, that little tiny property is just a cash machine. it's it's pretty amazing. Um, but also on the wind front, we, a video that featured a montage of construction photos and design mockups for encore, well, encore Las Vegas was posted to YouTube last week. Um I ended up blogging about it, and that post had a huge surge of traffic. there's There's clearly a ton of interest. Um, that video has actually since been removed from YouTube, um, but I, I have to say, after what I saw, I'm probably even more excited about seeing Encore than ever. Um, it looks like they really raised the bar yet again, and you combine that with some of the sweet interior photos that have been coming around. I think, Chuck, you just posted another one today. Um, this is, you know, Encore looks like it's really going to be a step up and a, a pretty, pretty nice product in Las Vegas. It's pretty exciting.
1: You know, there's something else actually uh, that, that uh, I thought we'd throw into the mix here, maybe just for a moment, is uh, the Bader Field situation in Atlantic City. They just, uh, the city just opened up a uh, RFP situation, which is a request for proposals from developers, uh, under the premise that they are going to be. Uh, offering ground leases to three developer operators on that slice of land, which means nobody's going to have to buy the property. So that whole portion of uh, investment is going to be gone. So whatever money that the companies raise, they're going to they're going to be able to put that right directly to building a property. So I'm curious what you guys think. Let me just throw this out there. You know, wh- would a wind are, do they have enough equity or interest right now, liquidity to to want to do that? Uh, and if you know part B, C, and D is who else do you think might uh, jump into that uh, Bader Field situation?
0: Well, I think I think Win as is is Encore is funded and they have cash in the bank, but I I would assume that they would have to do some lending if they were going to get serious about a new project there, Dave. But Dave, you have you've written about Win and Bader in the past, haven't you?
3: Yeah, um, I'm not sure whether he would do it as one of three. He might do it if he was the only one, but I just – and I think we all know the way he works. I don't think he'd be happy to have a win Atlantic City right next to Penn National and then next to uh, Cordish or whoever else would get the third parcel. I think he'd rather do it himself and develop the whole area, and you know for good reason too. If you look at what he's done, he's been pretty successful at it. So, uh, you know, I – I can't see this approach really working to get a phenomenal – the one phenomenal attraction you'd expect. You would just get three new casinos, which would probably just cannibalize the market from Tropicana and – God, I'm thinking of the Golden Nugget – the Hilton. (laughs) <laughs> which, is an, which is another Atlantic City thing. People from Atlantic City refuse to call casinos by their new name. You know, <laughs> people still call resorts Resorts International. People still call the. You know, I never got used to calling it Bally's Grand or the Grand. I just always called it the Golden Nugget. So,
2: Trump
3: uh, Castle. They, yeah, yeah, Trump's Castle. So yeah, that, that's just one of those things.
2: And so I when, guess they shouldn't feel bad about calling it um, Aladdin or San Remo or Flamingo Hilton.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, and Wynn has backed away from from Atlantic City once before. I mean, after he sold the Golden Nugget, but then you know, ten years ago or or uh, thereabouts, he had a much better deal on the table with the whereby he would basically get uh, a piece of land in the what was then called the H Track. Now they call it the Marina district he would have gotten that uh if, if if i'm recalling correct i'm having to go back about 11 years now but but that was uh essentially being given to him and the city was building a tunnel that would have facilitated access and the economy was in much better shape uh because now we're talking about you know the, the clinton uh era um and even you know even with all those things going in his favor he he decided against it.
2: No, he did. He won it. That's how Mirage, when MGM bought Mirage, that's how they acquired um, the property that they eventually allowed their joint venture partner uh, Borgata. It would have eventually originally been a joint venture between uh, Mirage and, and Boyd, but instead um, it became a MGM property. MGM still has the remaining two H track parcels. Wynn did that deal. Um both you know Boyd uh Boyd had to uh you know fight aggressively to keep its participation in the deal. I think uh Wind tried to squeeze them out of it. But um the uh you know certainly to answer your original question, Chuck, they certainly would have enough liquidity or or ability to borrow to do a Bader development if that's what they choose. Um, I think that you know it's not like Bader is the only development opportunity in Atlantic City, I think the city's um in a little bit of a and Wynn has said that he's not interested in Atlantic City until the city and the state can get together and create um a better development climate um and he you know he's pretty uh, tight with um john corzine but um you know whether that means that they would redo the rules to help win um, i don't know um i do know that the other h track parcels that mgm has talked about for their proposed city center east um, and they also have additional developable land that mgm grand bought in atlantic city um i know uh, you know there is there's still looming over MGM Grand, a decision on Pansy Ho, and uh, there is, you know, whether that would affect MGM's um, decision about what goes on if the the state of New Jersey says that she is an unsuitable partner for a licensee in New Jersey by virtue of their half-stake in Borgata, what what would MGM Mirage do there the the long standing um you know idea has been that they'd sell back to Bo- they'd sell to Boyd um, e- now with MGM Mirage in need of cash to finish city center um that seems like um an even more beneficial deal to both sides um Bo- you know Boyd um missing out for a while on its development potential here could could claim what is the jewel in their you know group of properties the, the whole jewel with borgata and more developable land in Atlantic City so you know i mean would Wynn be interested in one in an h track parcel possibly um he has certainly interest, expressed his interest in bader but i think uh um dave is is correct that I can't see him wanting to be one of three with what he would consider to be you know probably lesser operators, although Penn National is one of the few operators that are fiscally uh in good shape right now along with Wynn and Boyd
4: well wait it's has been uh, restructured so it's much more favorable to the city they were looking at just an outright sale of it. And, and Penn was prodding them to hurry up with this deal, which would have got Penn would have gotten the site for $800 million. And they figured they could turn around and flip two-thirds to three-fourths of it and realize a profit, at which point the state intervened and said, whoa, not so fast. So now, um, according to what I read, the C you know, the city will be leasing the land, so they'll get a continuous revenue stream instead of a one shot cash infusion and as dave said the the cost of of entry becomes much less prohibitive for for anybody else who might feel like uh putting you know putting their hat into the ring to be an an operator a builder, and an operator on the site
1: to uh well, to uh rewind to the uh, to the pansy hoe thing just for a second. Uh the real estate firm that the city has hired to manage this RT thing at Bader Field, Jones, Lang and LaSalle, also represent Shuntak in their one central residencies, which is next to the MGM Grand Macau, which is part of the whole family of properties, including Tanby. So if they say that MGM can't, you know, that NGM's uh, relationship with Pansy Ho is excludable, then they're basically excluding themselves. <laughs> They've hired to to manage their own project, so I, I, I see this thing as almost sort of like a backwards way of saying, you know what, the, the Ho thing's going to get passed, no problem. Interesting.
2: Well, you know, if the, if it was a, if it was a fait accompli, though, um, this was everyone that I've talked to says that that deal is almost a done deal. Um, And then the Gaming Commission um, uh, chairwoman um, resigned and uh, you ended up with a new composition of the panel. They were supposed to make an an announcement by mid-2006. I think it was July 4th, 2006. Then it was Labor Day 2007. Here we are uh, getting close to Veterans Day 2008 and, uh, you know, no decision. If it were a done deal – um, it should have been announced a long time ago. You just have to wonder what's taken them so long.
4: Well, and another question I have on a tangentially related front: I was looking at uh, various market caps today, and and the the value of of Trump Entertainment Resorts is so pathetically low at this point. Wouldn't it just be? Wouldn't it be much more economical to just try and, you know, to uh, to put in an offer for the for the two remaining Trump properties, assuming the marina sale goes through, than then to build from scratch? And, and what would be the arguments against that?
3: Well, I think the big argument against it is that there's not too much you could do with the plaza, and you'd probably have to start from scratch um, mm-hmm. on that, which would be pretty costly. Um, the Taj, on the other hand, they've just put a lot of money into, so you really couldn't do anything to it. Um, so unless somebody wants to kind of wants a turnkey opportunity there, just wants to buy it and let it run. I don't know that they'd be interested in that. Certainly a lot of the developers would want to put their own brand on it.
2: And and it's not, you know, I mean, when you're talking about buying properties, it's some multiple of the current stock price, which even if it's a buck, you know, you're paying a few and then a few bucks. And then you also have the cost, you know, all of, you're assuming all of their debt um, and, you know if they were in the market, you would think that they and, and and it may not have the 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 footprint that Wynn would want there. Wynn typically isn't going to want to be shoehorned into a 1980s era casino footprint. Um, you presume that he would want something a little bigger um but you know I don't know um whether i mean somebody eventually will probably do that <laughs> in the next few decades, but it's I would be surprised if it happened right now.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't thinking about Trump so I was uh, a win so much as and I think would kill uh, I think Trump would rather rather uh cut his head, you know shave his head in public than than
2: uh, <laughs> Hey, like I'd that. vote for that.
4: But <laughs> uh, you know, maybe some of these uh, you know some of the other uh, would be Atlantic City casino operators who don't want to put as much cash on the table, I mean, for instance, you know, Cordish, for instance, and and Trump resorts is under a lot of pressure to pay down debt. So those, the, the, the banks are going to be hopping mad if they instead, they they go off and with this harebrained scheme to build a casino in Panama with the proceeds at the marina
0: scale. That sale, that will really tick some people off. Well a lot up in the air. It definitely will be interesting to see where the chips fall. No pun intended. Uh hey,
2: Hunter Hunter, yeah. one one last yeah. quick thing. Go ahead. This is just something that um for the for the win um the folks who uh like some of the quotes from Wynn. I know um when when he opened Win Macau, um our uh, reporter here in in business, Rick Velada, he and I were there um attending the opening of Win Macau and he was talking about one of the reasons why um he was convinced that his brand was going to prevail in a market where you know people had been accustomed to playing um with Stanley Ho by himself and uh by uh, and for a while at the uh at the Sands and he said you know American gamblers, American casino and hotel guests, people are status conscious, but he said, um, and, and I think Chuck can probably second this, but Wynn said, the status consciousness of Americans pales in comparison to that um, of the Chinese, um, Asians in general, but particularly the Chinese, exceptionally status conscious. And from day one, when he opened there, it was he said that was really the, the most important mission was to establish themselves as the best, the place where the most exclusive gamblers and the, and, and the wealthiest and those who had every choice in the world would want to go. And it's really that status consciousness that was so important from day one. Some of these other properties, and and, and Dave, David was right when he talked about the crown, Crown had some good deals that they worked with VIP operators to get people to go and play. But, you know, Wynn really has not had to do that because he's established the status of that property on a perch where no one's been able to challenge it. And I think that that works in the United States, but it works in spades in China. And uh, so that's, I just think that that's sort of an interesting perspective that he really is, is, how crucial that is to try and occupy that prime spot at the top of the pecking order.
3: Good
0: point. Well, I think uh we started out with a discussion of wind resorts and we covered a lot of interesting ground I'm, I'm, it was it was good to uh to uh get all that stuff in there. Um next up I think we're going to talk about Hera's entertainment. Um with the credit markets as they are today, uh, companies that might need credit to cover even normal cash shortfalls common in large business can sometimes find themselves in some hot water. When you're highly leveraged and have expensive debt service payments to make, things are even harder. Jeff, uh, I'm going to come back to you. I believe you were on TV last week talking about Hara's current position and their ability to stay above water these days, can you uh, bring us up to speed on on what you talked about last week?
2: Well, we were talking about how how the strip was really rocked last week. Um, the uh, the publicly traded um, equity um, companies, which. Um, you know, MGM, Sands, WIN, Boyd. Um they were really uh, you know, beaten down last week in stock trading and I mentioned on the show that some of the non publicly traded companies, in particular uh um Harris and Station um, faced their own problems that may be um, even worse in the long run. And I said that, you know, people in Las Vegas that I talked to, and I would include a couple uh, very significant casino executives as well as, as, uh, you know, Wall Street folks that have said that, you know, they um, think it is a... Strong possibility, and so I place that somewhere between possible and likely um, that Harris might have to resort to uh, to bankruptcy protection. And um, you know, we whether um, they have you know sort of a you know medium amount of debt coming due in the next you know year and a half, but they have um, you know very huge chunks of debt coming. Coming up in the next, you know, five six years, and um, you know the problem for Harris was they made this deal buying their company's shares um, when they were you know peaking very very high, um, and you know credit was um, thought at the time to be relatively cheap, but by the time they tied up the deal, the market was already going south. And credit was already getting scarce, so they had to pay a lot more for their credit than they wanted to. Um, they were buying a company that was already way overpriced for what the market should have been, and so um, you know. And and so now none of those their properties are not throwing off the cash that they um, did during more robust times, and uh, they're in a situation where the problem with with having a bunch of um, debt coming due um, in a credit-scarce time is it's tough to find people to buy your assets. Um, and even if you can sell assets to raise money, you're you're selling off cash flow from those properties, which makes it more difficult to live up to debt covenants. So they're really in sort of a uh, a Sticky situation. Um, there was a, um, a, a an interesting story in this morning's Review Journal. It talks about Harris' um, effort to try and you know calm their employees' you know fears, like um, rumors of bankruptcy are the things that would be worrying their employees. The you know what in reality you know they've seen you know ten twenty percent of all their peers laid off. They see every store in their in their hotel. You know, giving people thirty, forty percent off deals, um, outlets closed. Um, you know, it's 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 a, uh, a you know, um, no offense to their uh, safety things, but it's a fire sale, and and um, you know, it's a it's a it's a company that um, obviously needs cash. Um, they say that they are not in a cash crunch, but um, you know, the reality is that. Unless you have an economic rebound, um, you know pretty soon it's going to get more and more difficult for them. Um, they are trying to complete the Caesar's Tower. They do have a lot of committed spending. Um, one thing in the story that really jumped out at me is a company of that size has dedicated only a hundred million dollars for routine maintenance. I mean MGM Mirage probably spends that in a quarter, and it's and it's a company you know much smaller. Um, it is so. I, I, I presume when I look at a number like that, to me, it suggests that they're letting their property quality go down, um, and that they are, uh, you know, they're trying to boost the spirits of their employees. But I, you know, to me, it seems like that's an uphill battle.
0: And David, you blogged about that article, I believe, is today also, right? Yes, is that right? and and they're actually cut, threatening to cut back
4: on maintenance even further. Uh, the, uh, yeah, it was, and then if you about halfway down the story, kind of tucked away in the middle, was the, uh, was a disclosure that they, one of the things that they were looking at was sales, or, well, A, suspending construction on the, the tower that they're currently building at Caesars. Um, and then they're also talking about selling not just the golf course in Macau which they purchased for close to 600 million dollars at a time when it theoretically could still be rezoned for gaming which it no longer can uh, and but even more staggering the all that acreage that they assembled on uh, the the yet-to-be-developed acreage, which which was assembled at very great cost. I had somebody in the local real estate community tell me that that Gary Loveman was buying land for $20 million an acre, not on the Strip but on Coval Lane. Now they're talking about putting that back on the market. So which which among other things um you know of course they could be talking about trying to sell off the parking lot behind the Rio which they which they included in their Deutsche Bank presentation as undeveloped land. But still the fact that, that they are that that they're talking about that raises questions about the you know this big Project on the right on the uh, uh, right hand side on the on the east side of the strip that has been mooted for three and a half years now. Uh, I mean, they Gary Loveman got. I mean, he got the company. You know, they got brought them right up to the verge, got them in the position where they could finally, you know. Uh, consolidate everything on that east side of the strip and start redeveloping in a spectacular fashion. And then he did a 180, and he approached Texas Pacific and Apollo Management and instigated this buyout, uh, for which he was very well compensated by them, and saddled the company with this enormous debt burden. And so now they're, they're not only constrained from from uh doing many of the the expansionist plans that they they had spoken of in the past but they're they're all starting to talk about you know by chopping off little pieces of the company here and there and then you know, I, it will be just a huge embarrassment and a you know a sore thumb you know, forty stories or something high. Uh, if that uh, you know, if that tower doesn't get finished, I mean, that's that's going to be even more conspicuous than the the unfinished Echelon. So this is a re- I think this is a very uh, a very mortifying juncture for the the company to find itself in.
0: And and David, you also had in your in your article something that I actually didn't didn't remember was that they have a potential judgment against them for almost three billion dollars.
4: <laughs> yeah, court that. Judgment. That was that was a, something that they that was something they sort of acquired when they bought uh, Park Place Entertainment slash Caesar's Entertainment slash Hilton Gaming slash <laughs> right. your brand here. Yeah, there was Arthur Goldberg had gotten uh, at cross-purposes with a tribe in New York State uh, over casino development. Allegations of dealing in bad faith were made. The tribal court uh, found in favor of uh, the tribe uh, that the uh, neither the, the Bureau of Indian Affairs uh, nor any other relevant agency in the federal government has has seen fit to overturn that judgment. So if it continues to stand, there's a you know 2.8 billion dollar judgment plus interest right. that's coming down the
0: pike at them. And as we saw with uh, Rich Sewin, I think this this last week, you know, I guess you know if if the people that the, that won the judgment uh, wanted to press their case, they could even press to have it put in some kind of escrow, wondering if the company's financial condition would allow them to pay, should it be upheld? Uh, well,
2: that's that's more, much dicier um, that a tribal court would be able to uh, enforce that kind of a stipulation on a non-tribal entity, but um, theoretically, I guess that's possible.
0: So it, it sounds like Harris is not really in the best shape these days, uh, and, you know, it, uh the story in the newspaper today was just it just seemed like they're just trying to do whatever they can to try and calm people down about this, but it just, definitely from what i 'm hearing, it sounds like this thing has some legs well and is not healthy
4: yeah they they this week they announced the closure of of a restaurant at the Rio, the shortening of hours at another one, and that they'd closed the poker room at paris so it's, I mean, I would not want to have the job of calming people's fears when when those kinds of announcements are are coming
2: out. Right. You know, I think we'll go, stepping back, bigger picture, looking at the owners of the private equity groups that um, own Harrah's. um You know, these are not guys who like took. Um, you know, I think Bonderman and and the guy who runs uh, Apollo. Um, these are not folks who. Um, Took all of their eggs and put them in the the Harris basket. Um, what they do is that they they typically take enough of their own money, their own investors' money, and divide it into you know ten, fifteen, twenty baskets, let's say. And they do these and they do deals one at a time, bunches of deals, um, where they use their seed money um, to. Um, buy out a publicly traded company, often one that's on in hard times, which was not Harris at the time they bought it. They paid big, um, and then use that their own money to to borrow enough to buy the company, build it back up, maybe sell it piecemeal, maybe take it public, um, but to but to uh, make a profit for all the folks who had invested. You, these are not guys who are who are likely, I don't think, to continue pouring more money into this one basket. Um, you know, it would be very surprising to me to see them come say, you know what, we've asked our investors, here's another half billion, here's another billion, you know, now we can, you know, borrow some more, get a better, you know, get a better rate, um, finish building X or Y. Um, it just seems unlikely, um, you know, the, the Texas Pacific took a big hit when WaMu um, and its shares were uh were liquidated during you know, the recent banking troubles um and um I think Apollo took a 20% write down on the value of its Harris investment um so you know you look at and 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 Apollo is trying to um, go um, have its own um assets go be publicly traded and I I'm not sure if they're carving the Hera's element out just to make it a little more attractive but I I do know that it's questionable whether these entities have any more money that they would want to put into their Hera's investment
4: it's like had a couple of uh, of other acquisitions that have crashed and burned most notably linens and things so they're they're hemorrhaging from a few different wounds at this point
0: well, you know, it's like uh, it's like John McCain's secret plan to catch Osama bin Laden. You know, there's st- Harris CFO has a secret plan to uh, keep the company uh, solvent and and running. But it definitely sounds like uh, like they're in a bit of trouble. Um, just to be on the purely speculative front here, um, we don't have any any information that this is imminent. But uh, if if you were Harris and you needed to sell one of your Las Vegas properties, which property would you sell off? What's the most likely? The Rio. What makes them- well, the
2: Rio has the advantage of being the most distant from its other from their other assets, um, and it is, um, you know, uh, the so probably probably the Rio. Um, you could also say the the property south of Flamingo, Paris, and Bally's, um, and the land behind them. Although that's, you know, where they had the arena, um, you know, supposed to go. I think, but. Um, you know those those would be one and two um if um you know if I were uh you know guessing
0: yeah sounds reasonable
4: right. oh, and the the rio it seems to be kind of the red headed stepchild of all the the vegas properties um I mean they can't even be bothered to to repaint the thing although that's it's been peeling for uh for a, over a year now
0: I think uh sad I mean it was yeah. you know it was a trendsetter and such a vibrant powerful property before it was bought by by Harris I mean it it a lot of firsts over there and it was it's just seems to have declined
4: well and it's got it's got room for expansion as I as I mentioned earlier so I I mean it and it is you know it is discreet uh from all the other the all the other Harris properties so yeah if, you know I I think that that it would be a, it could it could be a very attractive asset for you know somebody who's actually, you know, willing to to focus on it as opposed to the kind of on again off again, you know, Hairs is blown hot and cold on that place and, the constant rumors that that it's uh, that it's on the market, probably haven't helped either.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we'll bring. Uh, how, it how about oh, go for it, Chuck?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, how about Caesars?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, if they if they need money and that's the only thing that they care about, you know, it, it, I guess it would it would obviously bring in a, a pretty penny. It's a pretty powerful brand, but talk about psychological blow to the company. I mean, it's like dissect it's like removing its brain and and it, uh, it's
1: it's probably more of a, a redheaded stepchild in their uh, uh, countrywide marketing
0: plan <laughs> to a degree yeah I see what you're saying. I mean, in terms of it being sort of an outlier in terms of the amenities that it provides as a high end property versus their mid market overall mid market strategy i mean I guess anything's possible, but they you know they went to such pains to acquire it it as and put it put all this stuff into it. I'm sure that i at least at least psychologically, I would guess that that would be an option that they would probably try to Avoid unless they absolutely had to. But uh, possible. They've made they quite a the point.
1: They did uh you know, just change the, num- the name of the company
3: too. So
2: no, actually that, na- that name change has been postponed indefinitely until uh, until uh, until no. until happy days are here again. <laughs> huh. Who knows when that will be?
0: Well, you never know. Uh, I think moving on and quickly because we are getting up on the mark here. I want to talk real quickly about City Center and I'm going to chuck I'm going to swing to you because you've been doing a series of posts on vegastripping.com that evaluate some of the details that MG Mirage has been feeding you on on City Center. Do you can you quickly kind of give us um a little bit of info on what you've been posting and and uh and what they've been telling you? Well,
1: uh a month or so ago I had the uh, posted a, uh, a, a, a kind of a BS post about uh, this is what the new rooms of City Center look like, but it was actually photos from a 1975 JCPenney catalog. <laughs> Apparently, uh, this was at the time that the uh, the ARIA rooms showed up on the LA Times. Uh, and NGM's uh, PR, I guess, you know, they read our site and they weren't exactly so happy about it. So they decided, you know, hey, you know what, that was really funny, ha, ha, ha here's the renderings of the rooms and then you know a week later i got a, a package in the mail a, a dvd filled with renderings and photos and all sorts of crap that you possibly could imagine so uh instead of posting like you know nine megabyte images that are like five million yards long i've, I've been kind of picking out little pieces and bits and pieces of stuff to sort of eyeball and then and, and just sort of talk about and it's uh uh, let's see, we, we've done like the pools, the different types of pools that they have there, uh, the crystals, which is a pretty fascinating kind of design and possibly the most ostentatious waste of money, uh, you could imagine, you know, why make the top of a shopping mall look, you know, like that? And I understand it to a degree. It's always been a pet peeve of mine when I, when I peer out the windows of my low roller, high roller suites, and I see, you know, air conditioning ducts and all that other really unsightly stuff on the top of roofs. You know, to see that they've actually gone and, and, and you know, try to clear up all the sight lines and stuff and make it look pretty all around, I, I give them a lot of props to it. But, but seriously, who's going to look at the top of the roof of a shopping mall unless you're living in Veer or whatnot? Uh, so, you know, it's basically been a lot of kind of poking around and eyeballing things and zooming in on stuff and asking a lot of questions about... What some of this stuff is going to look like when they uh, have have the lights turned on and everything fired up. So. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, I I've been checking those posts out and I was enjoying them, especially some of the stuff for the for the crystals. I mean, I think most people that follow Las Vegas regularly have seen a ton of out, out outside renderings of City Center and what it's going to look like, but I, I can't remember having seen interior renderings of uh, crystals so far, and it it does look pretty. The design looks pretty. Um, You know, it's pretty a little bit over the top. I mean, it's it's a little bit out there. It's a little artsy. Do you think that uh, you know that it'll be off putting to uh, to Joe Sixpack and his wife Sarah Palin that come to Las (laughs) Vegas? What
2: over the top is going to be off putting to Las Vegas visitors? I mean, you know, I mean, to me I, I I think it's pretty epic. Um I think that you know, that and that's exactly why they have that roof um is because they're sticking so many thousands of uh half million to multi million dollar condos around it, give people something a little more visually stimulating to look at. It's pretty awesome at street level. Um and uh you know, I to me, you know, and I've been a, a pretty unabashed booster of this concept so but um you know when i look at that property i just i am uh you know really blown away by it and i think that um i got to think that las vegas visitors are going to be as well so you know that's my take Is i think people are going to be pretty uh stoked to go check it out
0: i i'll say that from what i've been reading uh, i if if i track my city center interest on a scale uh, I would say you know started out thinking it was a little bit insane, got more and more interested as they uh, divulged more details about the project and who was going to be working on it, designing it and i i will i 'll agree with you jeff that i 'm getting more interested as time goes by and I see the thing come together i mean there 's probably still a few too many buildings on that site for my taste, but I think it 's going to be a pretty incredible p- project, and i personally I am excited to see exactly how they did.
3: To right. me, I think I said a lot of what I wanted to say about this in that post about the uh Star Trek the original series versus Star Trek the Next Generation.
2: Your your six pack post?
3: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um <laughs> it it's probably gonna be great, but it's quite possible that a lot of people won't like it as much as the cheesy old stuff.
0: That's possible. We shall see. We shall see. They can always go back to Dubai and get some more money. Oh wait. <laughs> Maybe not. Um guys, I think that's that's going to be it. Um thanks for everyone being here today. It was a it was a fun discussion that kind of meandered, but that that was great. I really enjoyed that. So, uh, I'm going to go around the table and you guys can tell people where they can find you. Uh Jeff Simpson, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Inbusinesslasvegas.com or uh perusing the sports sites at espn.com.
0: Excellent. Uh, We'll have to have Bill Simmons on here
3: sometime as a guest, and we can talk about sports in Las Vegas or something.
0: Um, Dave Schwartz, how about you?
3: I'm at dioscast.com and gaming.unlv.edu. Excellent. Chuck Monster.
1: You can find me at uh, vegastripping.com and looking at the mathematical poll projections on 538.com.
0: <laughs> right, I saw that post today. So if you're interested in <laughs> politics, I think it's it's sort of interesting to see how people have applied some mathematical models to uh, project the results of our presidential election. Um, last but not least, David McKee, where can people find you? Oh,
4: in various nooks and crannies of uh, LasVegasAdvisor.com.
0: Excellent. <laughs> Uh, I'm at RateVegas.com. Thanks to all you guys, and have a great weekend.